And welcome to episode 74 of The Word Encounter. We stopped with uh, 2 Kings chapter 20 yesterday, so we'll pick it up in chapter 21. Uh, at the end of 20, we see that King Hezekiah has rested with his fathers, and his son Manasseh has become king in his place. And it says uh, in verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. Uh, <clears throat> he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, imitating the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had dispossessed uh, before the Israelites. He built the high places his father Hezekiah had uh, destroyed, and he reestablished the altars of Baal. He made the Asherah um, as King Ahab uh, of Israel had done. He also bowed in worship to all the stars in the sky and served them. So we see that uh, King Manasseh was totally and completely the opposite of his father, King Josiah. Uh, King, uh, excuse me, King Hezekiah. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, and just completely the opposite of Hezekiah. And uh, why is that? I don't know. But he's the, the complete opposite. In verse 6, it says, He sacrificed his son in the fire, practiced witchcraft and divination, and consulted mediums and spiritists. And so he sacrificed his own son. You know, so that's the practice of... of, of uh, um, uh, you know, devoting children to the God of Molech. And this was just totally and completely detestable to the Lord, but he did it. <clears throat> so we go on and it says um, in verse 9, Manasseh caused them, being the Israelites, to stray so that they did worse evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. So they were even worse. Okay, and we're in Judah now. We're not in Israel anymore because the Israelis or the Israelites have been taken captive off to Assyria. And so this is in the south, the southern kingdom that had a string of good kings. And so we see that uh, Manasseh is just uh, causing havoc to be rained down on the people. <clears throat> and it says in verse 12, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I'm about to bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that everyone who hears about it will shudder. I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line used on Samaria and the mason's level used on the house of Ahab. In other words, he's going to use the measuring tools that he used to judge Samaria um, uh, under, um, under Ahab. He's going to use that same measure against Judah, even though Judah had this string of good kings. And we see that Manasseh has just plunged things down into the depths of uh, evil. In verse 14, I will abandon the remnant of my inheritance and hand them over to their enemies. They will become plunder and spoil to all their enemies. They're going to become plunder and spoil. So this is foretelling what's going to happen to the people of Judah. In verse 16, Manasseh also shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem with it from uh, one end to another. <clears throat> So much innocent blood. I know people don't like to, or some people, I should say, don't like to make this analogy. But to me, this is no different than abortion. Because um, in it, we're talking about innocent blood, people that have done nothing to get what they got. And so um, we see here that Manasseh has shed so much innocent blood from one end to another that the Lord was holding this against them. And we will see that the Lord was not able to or not willing to forgive these acts. And to me, this is, this is just, um, this is a warning. And so we see in verse 18, Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in the garden uh, of his own house. 
the garden of Uzzah, his son Ammon became king in his place. Now notice it says he was buried in the garden of his own house. He was not buried in the tomb of the kings of Judah, you know, with David and Solomon and the rest. He was buried in his own garden. And so he was not honored in death because he did what was very evil in the sight of the Lord. In verse 19, Ammon was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. Only He only got two. I remember the string of uh, Judean kings, they had, you know, most of their reigns were over 20 years. But we see here that he only got two. Uh, verse 20, he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father Manasseh had done. So we see the same thing that's occurring. <clears throat> In verse 23, Ammon's servants conspired against him and put the king to death in his own house. So he must have been a ratchet dude, right? In verse 24, the common people killed all who had conspired against King Ammon, and they made his son Josiah king in his place. So they assassinated this king after two years, and they made, um, and, and then the people killed the people who killed him, and then they made his son uh, king in his place. And it says in verse 26, he, Abim, um, Ammon, was buried uh, in his tomb in the garden of Usa. And so we see again that he was not buried in the tomb of the kings. He was buried uh, in the garden. So in chapter 22 in verse 1, it says, Josiah uh, was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. <clears throat> he did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or to the left. And so then we see we had Hezekiah, and then uh, Hezekiah was a good king even though I felt at the end of his life he got a little bit selfish. And then, um, and so then after Hezekiah, we have Manasseh, who was evil, and then he has his son, Ammon, who was evil, but then we have Josiah, who did what was right in the Lord, in the order of David. And so in verse 3 it says, In his 18th year of King of Josiah, uh, so in the 18th year of the king, so what had happened was, he had sent some people to start repairing the temple. It was breaking down to, fi to find some silver and pay to the carpenters and masons and whatnot. And so he had sent <coughs> uh, Shaphan, uh, who was the high priest, uh, to go take care of this business. And he found, you know, a, the book of Moses. And so um, it says in verse 8, the high priest, or I should say the high priest Hilkiah, told the court secretary, Shaphan, so Shaphan was the court secretary, not the high priest. He went and told Hilkiah to search for uh, silver in the temple, and they found the silver. And then uh, he, they also found uh, the book of Moses. And he says, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And he gave the book to Shaphan, or to Shaphan who read it. And so Shaphan read the book of Moses, or the book of the law, and he was like, Oh, my goodness. And so he then, he goes to Josiah. And it says uh, in verse 10, the court then the court secretary, Shaphan, uh, told the king, the priest Hilkiah has given me a book. And Shaphan read it to, in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then he commanded the priest Hilkiah. He said, go and inquire of the Lord for me, the people in all Judah about the words in this book, that has been found. 
And so obviously the people were not following uh, the law of the Lord as given through Moses because they didn't know. Apparently this was the first time they're hearing anything out of the book of the law or the book of Moses. And so um, Josiah is like just dumbfounded. He's just like, what is in this thing? Go, we need to inquire of somebody to, to enlighten us on what this means. And so, and he says, for the uh, for great is the Lord's wrath that is uh, kindled against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this book in order to do everything written about us. And so then Hilkiah the high priest and some other guys, they go and they went to the um, prophetess Hulda. And so they go to her and essentially say, okay, what's in this thing? You know, you have to help us out. Now notice they went to the prophetess. And so... Uh, not the prophet, but they went to the prophet, prophetess. And in verse 15, she said to them, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Say to the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I'm about to bring disaster on this place and on its inhabitants, uh, fulfilling all the words of the book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have abandoned me and burned incense to other gods in order to anger me with all the work of their hands. My wrath will be kindled against this place and it will not be quenched. You see? And so the Lord is saying because of all of this evil, you know, my wrath is not going to go away. It's not going to be quenched. This cannot be forgiven. In verse 18, it says, uh, say this to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. As for the words that you heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, um, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And because you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, I will indeed gather you to your fathers and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. So eyes, your eyes will not see all the disaster that I am bringing on this place. So we see that, you know, as a gift, if you will, to Josiah, because he humbled himself before the Lord and he, he was like desolate and, and, and just distraught with regard to the things that were going on in the land and how they had veered so far from the word of the law. Uh, that the Lord says, I am not going to allow your eyes to see what I am going to do to this place. You know, and so that that was his gift. He's, in other words, he's telling me, you're going to die before you see any of this stuff. And so essentially, that, that's that's kind of similar to what he told Hezekiah. But Hezekiah's reaction was different than Josiah's. Hezekiah was like, okay, cool. I won't see it. It's going to be behind my time. I'm all good. But that's not how Josiah reacted. So we go on to chapter 23, and it says, So the king sent messengers, and they gathered all the uh, elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. Then the king went to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the prophets, uh, all the people from the youngest to the oldest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that has been found in the Lord's temple. And so what happened is, so the king sent messengers and they gathered all the people, all the elders, all the people, the old, the young, everybody. And then he started reading from the book of the law so that the people could understand how far they had veered, you know, from the dictates and ordinances and, and covenant of the Lord. And so the word says that after he did this, all the people agreed to the covenant. So they heard all of this. They agreed that what they had done had been evil and and that uh, they weren't down for that anymore. So they agreed that uh, essentially that they were going to change their ways. Then it says in verse four, then the king commanded the high priest uh, Hilkiah and the priests of the second rank and the doorkeepers, 
the doorkeepers to bring uh, out the Lord's sanctuary all the articles made for Baal. So we see here that there were a lot of articles that were stored in the Lord's temple of foreign gods, of you know, idols of Baal and this, that, and the other. And so Josiah said, okay, bring all that stuff out here. Uh, Ashira and all the stars um, and all the stars in the sky. He burned them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Then he did away with the idolatrous priests and the kings of Judah who had appointed um, to burn incense at the high places in the, cities of, in the cities of Judah and in the areas surrounding Jerusalem. He had burned incense to Baal and to the sun, moon, constellations, and all the stars in the sky. So, he had, <clears throat> so they had burned all the stuff. They had been worshiping these idols and all the stuff. And so Josiah started burning everything. He started getting rid of everything because it was detestable to the Lord. Therefore, it was detestable to him. And so then in verse 7, he says, He also tore down the houses of the male cult prostitutes that were in the Lord's temple. So they had male cult prostitutes in the Lord's temple. That's how far they had varied from the Lord. You know, they, they, they were doing these detestable practices inside of the Lord's temple. And it says um, uh, that he defiled Topheth, uh, which is in Ben-Hemon, in the Ben-Hemon Valley, so that no one could sacrifice his son or daughter to the fire uh, or in the fire to Molech. And so he tore down the place where people would go to sacrifice their children. So he's like, no, no, this is, this is over with. No more. We're not doing this anymore. And then it says in verse 12, the king tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had made on the roof of Ahaz's upper chamber. He also tore down the altars that Manasseh had made in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. And so all of the temples to foreign gods that, um, that uh, Ahaz had constructed uh, above his upper chamber, uh, what Manasseh had done in the courtyard of the temple, he got rid of all of it. In verse 13, the king also defiled the high places that were across from Jerusalem to the south of the Mount of Destruction, which King Solomon of Israel had built, built for Ashtoreth. And so we see that, you know, remember Solomon started out strong, but then as he progressed through life, because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and he just veered and he didn't finish strong. And so we see that he had even built idols to foreign gods. You know, after the, the Lord had um, uh, commended him and had blessed him with wisdom and wealth because he had the wisdom to ask for wisdom. And so, but we see that he kind of ventured off from that wisdom later in his life. And then in verse 15, it said that Josiah even tore down the altar at Bethel and the high place that had been made by Jeroboam. So he went into Bethel. So remember, Bethel is in the northern kingdom, is in Israel. But Israel had been taken over by Assyria. So now he, he's going into Assyria now, and he's tearing down stuff from the high places. And it says in verse 16, as Josiah turned, he saw the tombs uh, there on the mountain. He sent someone to take the bones out of the tombs, and he buried them on the altar. He defiled it according to the word of the Lord, proclaimed by the man of God who proclaimed these things. Now, now, now what is this referring to? So if we go back uh, to 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 2, we had a man of God from Judah going to Samaria, and, um, and he was, went and told Jeroboam this. Basically, he said, a son will be born to the house of David named Josiah. He will sacrifice fire. Let's see. 
Yes, he will sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who are burning incense on you. Human bones will be buried, will be burned on you. And so we see here that uh, Josiah had sent his men to take the bones out of the mountains of the priest <laughs> of the foreign gods and bring them to the altar was a stone and burn the bones until they turn the ashes. <laughs> and so, uh, and that was done to fulfill the prophetic word of the man of God from Judah. And then it says in verse 17, then he said, what is this mountain I see? The men of the city told him, this is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things that you have done to the altar at Bethel. So they found the tomb of the prophet that came from Judah and told uh, Jeroboam what was going to happen because of what they were doing. And so in verse 18, <clears throat> Josiah says, let him rest. Don't let anyone disturb his bones. So they left his bones undisturbed with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. And so uh, they left him alone. They let him rest because they said, no, he was doing what the Lord instructed him to do. But these other jokers, we burned their bones in their ashes. In verse 17, it says, Josiah also removed all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria. So again, Josiah is the king of Judah, but he's going into Samaria, you know, which uh, which is now Assyria, a part of the Assyrian kingdom. And he's just he's just zealous to get rid of stuff. And so then we move on and we see further zeal for the Lord. And it says in verse 25, before him, um, there was no king like him who turned uh, to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, according to all the law of Moses, and no one like him arose after. It says, in spite of all that, the Lord did not turn from the fury of his intense burning anger, which burned against Judah because of all the affronts with which Manasseh had angered him. So Manasseh had angered the Lord so much that regardless of all the stuff that Josiah had done to clean house and to make things right and to turn the hearts of the people, the Lord was saying, uh-uh, I'm not having it. He did too much, and so this is what the consequences are going to be. And we see in verse 29, uh, in uh, what is this? This is chapter 23, verse 29. During his reign, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, marched up to help the king of Assyria uh, at the Euphrates River. So we see that uh, Assyria was a was a huge um, was a huge dominant power, but they were on the decline. And so um, King Necho from Egypt is coming to help Assyria, and it says uh, King Josiah uh, went to confront him at uh, Megiddo uh, when Necho saw him and killed him. So. So Pharaoh Necho killed Josiah. To me, that was kind of strange after Josiah had done all this stuff, but maybe not, you know, because the Lord said, did say that he wasn't going to see, you know, the destruction that was about to come. So maybe this was his way of removing Josiah from the scene so that the destruction of Judah could take place. <clears throat> and so then after uh, Josiah had died, it said, then the common people took uh, Jehoahaz, son of Josiah, anointed him and made him king in the place of his father. Verse 31, Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. And so we see here with Josiah, I mean, with Jehoahaz, he did not follow the ways of his father. In verse 33, it says, Pharaoh Necho imprisoned him uh, to keep him from reigning in Jerusalem. So he, he, took a, <laughs> he took the king prisoner. Verse 34, 
Then Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, son of Josiah, king in the place of his father Josiah, and changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. So we see a couple things here. At first, uh, uh, Pharaoh Necho imprisoned Jehoahaz, and then took his brother uh, Eliakim and made him the king. And then what Pharaoh Necho did is he renamed, he renamed him to Jehoiakim. Uh, whenever uh, an entity can name another entity, that demonstrates the mastery and the power that that entity has over the named entity. And so what we have here is Pharaoh Necho demonstrating his mastery and power over the king of Judah. And so he renamed him, and his name became Jehoiakim. It says, but Necho took Jehoahaz and went to Egypt, and he died there. So he imprisoned Jehoahaz, and he took him to eat back to Egypt with him, and that's where Jehoahaz died. We see in verse 36, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. And then we move on uh, to chapter 24. During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked. Uh, attacked. Jehoiakim became his vassal, became his flunky uh, for three years, and then he turned and rebelled against him. The Lord sent uh, the Chaldeans, the Arameans, the Moabites. He sent everybody uh, in the Babylonian kingdom against him. And, um, and it says in verse 3, And th indeed this happened to Judah uh, at the Lord's command to remove them from his presence. It was because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done, and also because all of the innocent blood he had shed. He had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord was not willing to forgive. So here again here, I think we have another cautionary tale with regard to what we do with the most innocent amongst us, the babies, the infants, and the unborn. And we see in verse 6, it says, Jehoiakim rested with his fathers, and his son uh, Jehoiachin became um, king in his place, or, or Jehoiakin, not Jehoiakim, Jehoiakin. In verse 8, uh, Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. He got an entire three months. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father had done. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to the city while his servants were besieging it. Uh, king uh, Jehoiakim of Judah, along with his mother, his servants, his commanders, and his officials, surrendered to the king of Babylon. So the king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year uh, of, of his reign, of the king's reign. And in uh, verse 15, Nebuchadnezzar deported Jehoiakim to Babylon. He took the king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the leading men of the land into exile from Jerusalem uh, to Babylon. He deported them. Uh, the king of Babylon brought um, captive into Babylon all 7,000 of the best soldiers and 1,000 craftsmen and metalsmiths, uh, all strong and fit for war. And the king of Babylon made uh, Matayan, yeah, Eloakin's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. So here we saw, now notice, we have here the king of Babylon. You, we, you don't see Assyria anywhere. Assyria is kind of now out of the picture because now Babylon is the main power in the region. In verse 18, it says, uh, De uh, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he um, reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. Uh, Zedekiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight. Of course he did, um, just as Jehoiakim had done. Because of the Lord's anger, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he finally banished them from his presence, and Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. 
in chapter 25, verse 1. In the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem with his entire army. Now, see, there were, even though uh, they had come before, there were still vestiges left behind in, um, in Jerusalem. And it says the city was under siege until King Zedekiah's 11th year. And so it says they, uh, they came in the ninth year, and then at 11th year, so it was then seized for two years. And it says, uh, verse 3, by the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that the common people had no food. Then the city was broken into, and all the warriors fled at night uh, by way of the city gate between the two walls near the king's garden. And so all the soldiers, the best soldiers had been taken, but now their main soldiers, they booked. They said <laughs> they fled. <laughs> You know, it says, as, um, as the king made his way along the route to Arabah, so this is King Zedekiah, um, as they're fleeing from Jerusalem, his way along the route to Arabah, the Chaldean army, the Babylonians, pursued him and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. Zedekiah's entire army left him and scattered. The Chaldeans seized the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon, and they passed sentence on him. They slaughtered Zedekiah, Zedekiah's sons before his eyes. Finally, the king of Babylon blinded Zedekiah, bound him in bronze in bronze chains, and took him to Babylon. And then the word goes on to describe how uh, Jerusalem was just totally and completely destroyed. And so uh, we see that um, uh, in verse 12 it says, uh, but the captain of the guards, the captain of the uh, Babylonian army, left some of the poorest people in the land to be vine dressers and farmers. And it says, so Judah went into exile from its land. And so Judah was now, for the most part, no more. They had all been deported to Babylonia. Um, and, um, and it was because of the sins that they refused to turn away from. They absolutely refused. They followed the path of the northern kingdom, and they got the same treatment. And so with that, we will come back with you tomorrow. And that is the end of the book of 2 Kings, and we will start in 1 Chronicles tomorrow. Bye-bye now.